Welcome to Strength for the Journey from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu at Ko'olau. Make no mistake, children are special, especially in the eyes of God. What can we learn from how Jesus treats children? The Hope Restored Sermon Series continues with First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun and the sermon, The Humility of a Child. Well, it's about... Uh... How to have the humility like a child. That's what the message is about. So uh, please allow me to read the scripture today. It's just four verses. Please stand as I read this for us. Mark chapter 10, starting with verse 13. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth. Anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on their heads and blessed them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. Wow, look at this passage. Clearly, the disciples did not understand Ohana ministry. What a family scene from the Bible. Moms and dads are bringing their children to meet Jesus. They have heard that he's kind and loving and that he probably loves children. They want to touch, they want him to touch them and bless them. Imagine they saying, hey, look, there's Jesus. And they start going running towards him. But the disciples, who in their thinking are often one taco short in a combination, see the kids and the parents rushing towards Jesus and shout, hey, 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 you kids and you you mom and dad, what do you think you're doing? I mean, you think you can just rush up to us? Jesus is an important man. He's really busy, 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 doing God's work. So parents, bug off, take your little rag muffins and ankle biters and get out of here. We're doing the kingdom work, man. So quit bothering him. No time for you and your cakey. The Bible says the disciples scolded the parents. They gave them heat. They didn't cool their jets. But when Jesus saw what was happening, the Bible says he got angry. And as onlookers, we can think, oh, no, here comes another come to Jesus talk. And Jesus, in essence, says to his disciples, cut it out. Don't ever do that again. Let the children come to me. Don't ever stop Keiki from coming to me. Not ever. And the disciples then say to the children, hey, boys and girls, just kidding. Come on over. Can't you guys take a little joke? Jesus would love to see you. We're just a few fishermen fooling around, man. Come on over. Then picture this. Jesus takes the children in his arms. And what a loving, gentle picture. And then he places his hands on their heads and blesses them. And this is such a touching, poignant moment in the life of Jesus. I wish I were there. It shows the tender heart of of Jesus and, and what he's really all about. 
at the global headquarters of Compassion International, that big human relief organization that helps kids in Colorado Springs, there's a statue in the main lobby that Compassion Commission and artists to create for them. And what statue do you think that is? Is it a statue of the prodigal son? Is it a statue of Jesus with a lamb over his shoulders? Is it a statue of Jesus praying? No, they chose a statue of Jesus with children in his arms. But get this, they put a little seat in the statue to encourage visitors to sit in Jesus' lap. And many do. So 12 years ago, I went to the headquarters with some pastors. Here's my friend, Pastor Fernando Castillo, former pastor of C4 Church in Diamond Head, sitting in the lap of Jesus. Um, I do have his permission to show this today. Uh, And when you sit in his lap, you want to get close to his face, but then you feel the Lord's love and you want to hug him, and Jesus draws you in, (laughs) and you become humble like a child. Today, Pastor Fernando is a denominational leader of the Foursquare Church, watching over many regions, including Hawaii and Utah and California and Nevada and Arizona. So see what happens when you humble yourself like a child? In addition, I have a friend who owned a company in Fresno, California, and he, being a Christian, wanted his employees and the community to know about his faith and trust in Jesus. He wanted to have a statue in the outside courtyard of his company entrance. And what scene did he choose? Jesus and the children. Now, why is this so important to Jesus and to us that he wanted to have access to children and that he deeply loved them? This is just four short verses Um, but it is packed with meaning for us today. First, it is important for us to know that in the deepest part of the heart of Jesus, Jesus really loves children. Now, we all know that children can be selfish and whiny and complaining at times and feel it's all about them, but Jesus looks past that and sees that wonderful core of innocence. He wants to bless them, protect them, He wants to be close to them, and children sense this and wanted to be near him. Today's passage says that Jesus blessed uh, the children by placing his hands on their heads. During a prayer or a blessing, to place a hand on the head is the most sincere, intentional, holy way to ask for God's intervention and blessing on a person. It's sacred. And Jesus wants the best for children. A blessing is to receive God's best. He wants them to be protected by other humans all the time. And yet, we live in a world where that is not always the case, is it? Many children have been abused by their relatives, their friends, their uh, strangers, and unfortunately, by religious people. Pope Francis told his priests around the world that they must not be distant from their congregation with their feet under their desks, but get out there with them, love them. He said, if you are the shepherds of your flock, then you should smell like sheep, meaning you you are with them in their workplace, in their home, in their neighborhood, that you should smell like the sheep in your flock. 
Jesus smells like children. He likes being with them. Second, Jesus wants to bless and protect Keiki. But you need to know what Jesus thinks about that and how deep in his heart he is um, horrified when they are not protected. You know, I'm missing a page here, so I'm just going to wing it. So, um, so when people abuse children, the Lord is phenomenally upset. In the last chapter of the Gospel of Mark, in the ninth chapter, uh, the 36th verse, um, we read this. Then he, Jesus, put a little child among them, taking the child in his arms. He said to them, anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me welcomes not only me, but also my father who sent me. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck, and you were thrown into the sea. Now, if you're new to the Christian faith, you do need to know that Jesus rarely gets mad. And he never gets mad at sinners who led a bad life, but he does get mad at overly religious people uh, because Jesus is not into religion. He's into relationships. Religion meaning it's all about rules and rituals and regulations. He gets mad at people who think there's a rigid way to live for God, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees in the Bible. But he never gets mad at the so-called sinners, like the embezzlers, the adulterers, the drunkards, the prostitutes. He doesn't want them to live that way, but he does hang out with them and loves them. But in the passage today, we see that he gets angry on people who block children from him, and he gets intensely angry with anyone who harms a child. So much so that in using incredible extreme hyperbole, he says, if you cause a child to stumble or some version to sin, you'd be better off being thrown into the sea with a huge rock around your neck. In the Bible, we only see Jesus use extreme language when he feels the weak and the vulnerable, like children, are being harmed. Like when he got upset turning over the tables in the Gospels, it's because the tables were blocking unchurched people from getting into where God is. So he makes it really clear in the 25th chapter of Matthew that if you're not loving to the weak and the vulnerable, like those who are hungry and thirsty in this world and the imprisoned, the sick, the widows, the strangers to the land, you will go to eternal punishment. Please note, that is really rare when Jesus talks this way that he's saying you're going to go to hell. But he does say it when certain people are not helped or hurt. And today, we see he adds to that list, if you ever cause a child to be hurt, Jesus says your punishment will be quite severe if you don't repent. Now, I want to look at this verse from a different perspective. Many people have caused pain to a child. But I want to address the many who have received pain as a child. 
maybe we had um, difficult parents or a difficult um, upbringing and we were told lies that like you will never amount to anything or you're not pretty or good looking, you're ugly, you're not smart. Um, and that was true. All of those things was true for actress Tiffany Haddish um, who talks about it in her autobiography. She was abused by her parents and her step-parents and her grandparents and her foster parents who did and said horrible things to her verbally, physically, sexually. When we hear lies as she did that she was ugly, stupid, and will never amount to anything, they can cause us to stumble in life. And we need to tell those voices to be quiet. Those are not the voice of Jesus. Some have been sexually abused as she was. Some who are here. You need to read today's passage and know that Jesus loves you very, very much. And whatever you've gone through, he stands with you in your corner. He is as upset as you, and he hears and heard your cries. He is as mad as you, because he said, people who harm children will be worse than if they had a millstone around their neck and thrown into the deepest part of the sea. Ultimately, he will deliver justice, the justice that you may not have received here on earth. He wants to help you. He wants to heal you. He has the power to help. But you need to be open to allowing him to get close enough to you, in a sense, to put his gentle, loving hand on you and bless you and help and heal you from your wounds. And his help can come in a variety of different ways, whether it's through counseling or the word or through prayer or, or through other friends. A month ago, you heard a woman preaching from this pulpit about how difficult her life has been. She had been molested by a church employee as a child in her father's church that he pastored. And as horrible as that crime was, she still chose not to leave the church and the, in the end drew close to Jesus for his help. And when she got later cancer twice and then her son killed himself, she chose not to run away, but to draw close to Jesus for his help. She chose health and a real joy in the midst of pain, not apart from it. Her name is Kay Warren, and you can listen to her sermon on the website. Jesus stands with you, so go to him with your pain and put your head on his chest, so to speak. Draw near to him. Jesus gets intensely angry at those who hurt children or cause them to stumble in life. I should add that if you have been someone who has, on the other side, who has hurt a child, whether in upbringing or maybe you have some pain that was caused from another situation, you too can find help and healing in our loving Lord. Finally, I want to say this. A child has an awe and wonder of God. Jesus saw in children an innocence that brings about an awe about God. Most children 
have no problem believing in God, especially if their parents or guardians give God a fair chance in their lives. Those parents who block children um, from knowing God uh, really are stumbling blocks if they don't want their kids to have the chance to know intimately Jesus, our Lord. Many people come to Christ before the age of 18, more then than any other age. And that's why we invest hundreds of thousands of dollars in Ohana Ministries in our church. And we send people or we send money to help protect children overseas and locally who are sex trafficked or put into slavery. Our bazaar coming in three weeks is partially to help support ministries um, who fight sex trafficking of minors. But there is something about children that due to their innocent nature, that if they know about Jesus, they will trust him deeply. And that's not my observation. That's the observation of Jesus himself, that if we become like children without all of our sophistication as teenagers or adults, we will know the kingdom of heaven and we're gonna know Jesus even more. Jesus said these words in the Gospel of Matthew in the 18th chapter. At that time, The disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called the little child whom he placed among them. And he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes a humble place, becoming like this child, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. You see, there is that humility theme that we started last week. If you can be humble like a child, you will actually be the greatest in heaven. And if we welcome children, we welcome Jesus in our midst. There's something about kids who cast away the sophistication that we adults have picked up where it's not cool to have to ask God for help or to submit our intelligence to a great God. Children don't have a lot of money to get prideful or a lot of accomplishments to get puffed up or a lot of titles and trophies at that point to think that they're hot stuff and they don't need God. We adults can think we don't need God and we say, I can take care of this myself, always have, always will. But a childlike humility says, Lord, I can't do it anymore. I can't take it. I can't, I need your help. So I want to end with a true story that happened just a few weeks ago to a teenage friend of mine. I have her permission to share this. She's not a little child, but she is young, and you will see her childlike faith as a youth. Her name is Corey. I've known her since she was a little baby, little kid, and Corey has gone through some pretty tough stuff. When she was a freshman in high school, she got a serious gastrointestinal bacterial infection called C. diff. Pretty rare for a 14-year-old to get that. Extremely painful, weight loss, hard to eat, nausea. It's a hard disease to beat and harder to keep away once you've had it once. After that, to compound things in her sophomore year, doctors discovered she had a tumor. It was removed. 
Slowly, she got a little healthier, but still battled for most of her teenage years the effects of the C. diff. Finally, as a senior, Corey was accepted to uh, the University of Berkeley this past spring as a chemistry major on the pre-med track. She was excited. Her dream was to be a physician. But just 10 days, yes, 10 days before she was to move into the dorm at Cal Berkeley, she got sick again. She went to the docs and the docs said the C. diff had returned. She couldn't go to college. And to make matters worse, Berkeley said they're going to take back her admission with no deferral due to her illness. Now, later after much prayer by family and friends and other people try to intervene, she was miraculously given a deferral for Berkeley so she could attend next year. But in fighting the illness and due to some other boyfriend issues, she fell into a deep, deep depression into kind of an existential crisis of faith. For years, she had a really strong faith in Jesus, but now, bam, she hit a wall. And she, like maybe some of you today, was no longer sure if there was a God. Due to C. diff and other things she had suffered so much over the years of her youth, she was at the end of her rope. C. diff causes so much pain and nausea daily, and she could not eat normally. And her boyfriend was probably not the best for her, and in many ways, he was pulling her away from her desire to live for God and to become her dream of physician. So three weekends ago, she was in a pit of despair, So she went to Starbucks, where we all go when we're depressed, right? (laughs) But it was truly, seriously, a deep, depressing crossroads, culminating in severe doubts. She was no longer sure if God was real. And she wondered if she had made a mistake committing to Berkeley, whether she was smart enough to go to Berkeley, and maybe her wanting to um, be a doctor and her lifelong dream of going to medicine was all just a myth. And then there was her boyfriend whom she knew he wasn't the best for her, but she just couldn't break it off. It was truly a dark night of the soul. She got her notebook, started the journal, which she sadly called, this is tough, her last prayer to God. In essence, she wrote this. Look, I don't even know if you're real, so I'm not starting this with a dear God or ending it with an amen. But I feel like I'm losing it. And if you're there, then you need to send me a burning bush, something I can't mistake for anything but you. Wow, burning bush prayer. To see God supernaturally like Moses did in a burning bush. Now, if I I could go off on a little tangent and break the story a bit and say this. A few weeks ago, I said we can't live lives asking for signs all the time. Like if I see a a wind blow a leaf left, then I'm going to walk left. Or if the plastic bag of my delivered newspaper is a certain way, that will be a sign. No, that would all be superstition. We can't always be asking for signs like that. But I added, actually, God always is communicating to us, but we're just not aware. But now, 
Yes, a clear, unmistakable, burning bush prayer. That's a tough one that Corey wanted. But there are times, like a childlike prayer, that we just need to send that out to God in few humility, full humility, say, I just, I can't do this anymore. I need your help. Now, back to Corey. When Corey finished that prayer in Starbucks, she realized that she forgot to put money in the parking meter uh, for her car. So she grabbed her journal and her latte and went out to pay the meter, but then decided when she got out there after putting coins in the meter that she wouldn't go back into Starbucks. So instead, she just sat on a bench on the street, put in her earbuds and pulled out a novel to read. It was around then she noticed a homeless man sitting at another bench up the street. For some reason, she felt drawn to him, maybe even thinking whether she should buy him a cup of coffee, which is something Corey had never done before. But she decided, nah. But if he was still there, after she read a bit, maybe she would do something. Unbeknownst to her, while she was reading, the homeless man drew closer and closer to her until he was right at her bench. He was covered with sores all over his face and body. His teeth were yellow. Some teeth were missing. His mustache was yellow. He wore like a yellow or tan or beige coat. He had a sore under his right eye. It was very dark, almost purple. But Corey said for some reason, he seemed beautiful and not repulsive. She pulled off her earphones and to hear him ask, how you doing? And Corey replied, all right, how about yourself? To which he replied, good. He then asked if she was in college. And she said, yes, or I will be. He then said, you're studying something hard. She said, yeah. And then he said, you're studying medicine. She was shocked. Later, she looked at her clothes to see if she was wearing a college t-shirt or reading a book that looked like college material, but both were not true. So she asked, how did you know? He replied, I just know. And then he said, you're going to be successful in college. And Corey said, thank you. And then he said, you are going in the right direction. You're on the right path. And so don't question anymore. And then he added, don't let anyone ever take that away from you. She immediately thought of her boyfriend. She started to get teary-eyed, and she didn't really know what to say, and all she could get out was, thank you. You have no idea how much this means to me. She got up to introduce herself, and he, he said his name was Brian. She was about to shake his hand. It was then that she noticed even more sores that covered his whole body, his face, his hands. He, he pulled back a sleeve to his jacket, which showed even more sores, but then said, don't worry, I'm not dirty. And she said, don't worry about that, and shook his hand. 
She offered to buy him lunch, but he said that he had something to do and said, God bless you, and hobbled off. Corey then went went to her car and just sobbed and just cried. With a last desperate plea from Starbucks, she asked for a burning bush answer from God to appear to her and talk to her, and she got it. Only if you have the awe and wonder of a child could you do that. An hour later, she called her boyfriend and called it off. She thought she would be devastated, but she felt free, though she still cares for him deeply. So who was this homeless man? Puzzling, fascinating. Corey wanted to specialize as a doctor, get this, in infectious disease. And here was a man covered with sores who told her, don't worry, I'm not dirty. Keep going to school. You're doing the right thing. Was this God not only telling her to go to med school, but to stay in the right area of study? Who was Brian? Was he Jesus who got real close and intimate with a girl who felt vulnerable and was crying out for help and held out his hand, literally? Was he an angel? You know, there's a book in the Bible called Hebrews, and it says this in the 13th chapter, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Today, ironically, before I came here early this morning, I bumped into a homeless man at 7-Eleven. I thought, I better buy him a sandwich, man. It could be Jesus. (laughs) And I did. (laughs) And a coffee. So why are we doing a healing service at the end of this month? Why do we encourage each other to pray and to learn how to hear God and be aware of him like we are in the Life of the Spirit conference next month? You've got to come to that. Super important. Because we believe if you have the humility of a child and a sense of awe and wonder about him, he will respond. He hears our every prayer and cry even when you doubt. And though it might not be as dramatic as my friend Corey, I know he is always acting on our behalf. And sometimes we just don't see the Brian's in our lives. Jesus might be communicating to you and sending out his word of love or comfort through a book or maybe a church or maybe it's a song, maybe sometimes maybe even in a sermon like today or a mysterious homeless man named Brian. Or maybe you're the one who is to be used by God to share an encouragement or a word like Brian did. Be like Brian. And you may think, oh, I can't do that. I'm inadequate. I'm covered with sores. You know, I don't look good. I don't feel good. But God could use you to, to be a Brian for someone who desperately needs strengthening, encouragement, and comforting. By the way, if you look up Look it up. What does the name Brian mean? It means high or noble. Just saying. (laughs) For in Jesus Christ, we have 
a high and noble friend, the Lord and Savior who leads many an angel who loves us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, first of all, we know you love us so much because you went to a cross to die for us. You're our best friend who gave up his life for us. And you're also one who sides with those who have been hurt in a tremendous way, physically, spiritually, or emotionally. Lord, we pray that maybe after this weekend we might have even more of a sense of awe and wonder, like a child, and that we might know that we could have an even greater desire to love you. And so, as a child sings for us this morning, maybe listen to the truth of his words and then later sing with him. In Christ's name, amen. So in this wonderful intergenerational ahana that we have here, before I give the final blessing, I just want to remind you that to seek prayer is to have the awe and wonder of a child to say, I need help and I need God's perspective. I need his strength and encouragement. And if you have any prayer concerns today, our prayer team would be love to pray with you in front of the cross and in front of the choir risers, and they are here to hear whatever your concern might be. But I have a blessing for all of you, so please stand. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and its countenance be upon you. And may you know deep in your heart the wonderful love of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And may you always have the awe and wonder of a child. In Christ's name, amen. Adults can learn a lot from children. We can regain that awe and wonder of God. And most of all, we can know that Jesus loves us. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Join us at one of our worship services on campus at 45550 Kionaole Road, Kaneohe, Hawaii, 96744. We meet Sunday mornings at 8, 930, and 1111. Follow First Prez on Twitter and Facebook. Download the brand new First Prez app. Watch First Prez sermon videos on our website and on Facebook. And if you need more, you can call us at 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you and thank you for listening. Strength for the Journey is copyright 2018 and produced by the media ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu at Ko'olau.